Welcome to Not A Christian Podcast. It's not a Christian podcast. It's a podcast that just happens to be Christian. In this podcast, we tell stories, we talk about life, faith, and pretty much anything else you can imagine. Now let's jump into it. Welcome back to the show. It's episode 29 of Not A Christian Podcast, right here on Friday, April 30th, the last day of April, and you guys know what tomorrow is. Tomorrow is May 1st, okay? And if you remember way back in the day, back when Not A Christian Podcast was just a baby, back in its incipience, back on episode 3, We ranked the months of the year. Scientifically, remember, I did a spreadsheet, okay? Don't deny it. Don't challenge me. Okay, I used math to determine this. But May, best month out of the year. All things considered. Holidays, weather, nostalgia, etc. May is tomorrow. It's here. The best month of the year. So happy May to you guys tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this in the month of May, congratulations on being here. Uh, just take a moment. Take a moment to, to soak it all in. You're in the month of May. You made it to the best month of the year. Not a Christian podcast has made it to the best month of the year. Thanks for being here. And let me just tell you guys that I made a big mistake. Okay, that's actually a very dramatized way to say this. At the time of recording this episode, it is currently 11.42 p.m. on Thursday, April 29th. I had an incredibly busy week, so the podcast kept getting pushed back and back and back, and for a minute today, I thought it wasn't going to happen. I thought I was going to be too tired, and I thought, you know, maybe I can just record it tomorrow after I get off work, upload it late, but I love you guys too much to do that. And we, we skipped a week about six weeks ago because I was busy doing my thing. And I decided I'm not going to do it again so soon. So I am up here. It's 1142. By the time I finish getting this thing recorded, it's probably going to be 1 a.m. By the time I get it edited and uploaded, it's probably going to be 3 o'clock in the morning, y'all. So we out here. We got our coffee, which I never drink coffee at night, but this is a night when I'm going to need it. So So we're here. I'm here for you, doing my best, surviving, thriving, really. Part of this episode is actually going to be recorded on the day of upload, so that's pretty cool, but not really because I am really tired right now. I do it for you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the support. If this show didn't get support, I wouldn't be doing this right now, but I'm doing it for you because you love Not A Christian Podcast. Not A Christian Podcast loves you. Thanks for being here today. Last weekend, I passed through... San Angelo, Texas, and I hit a sticker downtown, and I just kind of posted a little hint on Instagram about where it was, and friend of the show, Gracie, and some of her friends, based on the picture they posted, and tagged Not Christian Pod in. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, if you're not already. But she posted a picture of her and her friends, went and found the sticker, and honestly, I was quite impressed, because the, the hint that I gave didn't really give away much. So if, if nobody had found it that day, I was going to post like a bigger picture with a bigger hint. The next day, but they found it, I hid it in the Bosque, which is like a park under this little like artistic truck thing. So congratulations on finding the sticker. Thanks for being so eager to go out and get yourself a Not A Christian Podcast sticker. If you want a Not A Christian Podcast sticker and you don't have one yet, wait till the end. Just listen till the end. That's all I'm going to say. So I mentioned a while back that that San Angelo, Texas was my highest contingent of listeners. So shout out to San Angelo. Thank you guys for listening. So it got me to think, oh, no, I said it. I didn't complete the phrase, though, so you can't slap me in the face. (laughs) So I began to conjecture. Maybe I can do this in multiple cities. My second biggest contingent is from Abilene, Texas. So in the month of May, I'm going to be traveling through Abilene. It's going to be in a couple weeks. But I'm going to do the same thing there. I'm going to hide a sticker. So if you're in Abilene, be watching. Because I'm going to leave a sticker and hopefully you you find it. Hopefully you're the lucky winner. So so that was a ton of fun. Thanks to everybody who 
you know, even if you didn't get it, thanks for like looking at looking for it, or maybe you thought about going and looking for it. So I appreciate it. Early, also earlier this week, I posted a poll, and the results kind of surprised me, but in a good way. Usually, I disagree with how you guys vote, and well, and I still did. However, I was not severely disappointed because I posted a poll like, you know, how do you like your coffee? Because I've got my coffee here. Like I said, it's almost midnight. The podcast is scheduled to go out in less than like four hours. So anyway, uh, I posted a poll about coffee and coffee is probably the most talked about subject on this show. I'm sorry about that, but it just comes up in, in conversation a lot. It enhances my life. So I put out a poll and I said, how do you prefer your coffee? And the options were black as night, put a little something in there, sweetened beyond recognition, and the last option was just coffee is gross. Well, 17% of you said coffee is gross. That was the, the, the least amount, so, so shout out to you, guys. Uh, black as night got 30% of the vote, put a little something in there got 32% of the vote, and sweetened beyond recognition got 21% of the vote. So I am pretty happy that 62% of you guys total either drink black coffee or you just put a little something in there. You know, maybe to take the edge off it. If that's your thing, fine. Maybe one day you'll grow into an adult and just drink it black. <laughs> but hey, if you're a person that drinks it sweetened beyond recognition, you know, do do you. But if you think if you think coffee is gross, you are no longer welcome on this show. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. Everyone, no matter your coffee preference is welcome on this show. I just wanted to give you guys those results because I thought it was interesting and I was surprised that almost a third of you chose black as night is how you prefer your coffee. It's how I prefer mine. It's how my cup is right here in front of me as we're burning the midnight oil right here on Not A Christian Podcast. Just a little heads up, my personal schedule is going to be pretty crazy over these next few weeks. On on Wednesday, I'm going to Nashville, Tennessee. I'm going to be coming back on Friday, so I'll tell you guys all about that on the show a couple weeks from now. That means I'm going to have to record next week's show like this weekend, way in advance. So, And that, and I've got a lot of things coming up in the month of May. Every weekend, I'm going to be traveling. Uh, I've got two weekends in a row I'm going to be traveling to like the DFW area. Uh, so it's it's going to be a wild ride. But the one thing I can assure you is that I will do my best to upload an episode every week of Not A Christian Podcast this May and this summer, even though my schedule is going to be a lot different. So so thanks for being patient. Thanks for understanding. So if I'm a little less interactive, like on social media, it's because usually you know I like to post polls and stuff and then talk about them on the show that I record later on in the week. Uh, however, I'm not really going to be able to do that quite as much over these next few weeks. Um, there's going to be a lot of pre-recording going on. Hey, it is what it is. So thank you guys so much for being here for that. Just to give you a little roadmap of where we're going, we're only going really to one destination today because it is a longer segment. On this show, we've not really delved too much into ethics and the study of ethics or the practice of ethics, but today we're going to be talking about an ethical issue that is facing Christianity now and in the future called transhumanism. I'm going to tell you what all that is and what all the ramifications are for it in the first segment, so let's go ahead and transition to that. In this segment of today's show, we're going to be talking about a topic called transhumanism. And I'll define what exactly transhumanism is in a minute. But as I said in the intro, I am recording this episode very late at night. And the ironic thing is, is that when I was in seminary, I wrote a paper in one of my ethics courses about the issue of transhumanism. And the reason I say it's ironic because I'm recording this late at night is that I don't really remember. I think this was a summer course a few summers back, probably the summer of 2018, if I'm remembering correctly. And in all likelihood, the paper that I wrote and the paper that I referred back to when preparing for this episode was probably also written very late at night. So some stories just write themselves. But here we go. Here is... A conversation for you guys about transhumanism. A lot of national conversations are about transhumanism. There's a lot of intrigue surrounding transhumanism. There's a lot of controversy, a lot of mystery. Media in particular 
you know, it has the power to captivate audiences, to generate conversations that extend beyond scripts, beyond screen time. So while a certain movie or TV show or documentary may last 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, the conversation keeps going. And what I mean by that, so so maybe the, the best idea, the best way to ease you into what transhumanism is, is if you've seen the TV show Black Mirror. Black Mirror, if you haven't seen it, so maybe you have, uh, let me just throw out like an explicit content warning, okay? It's, it's British. It was made for Netflix, so there's not a whole lot of censorship. Don't watch it with your kids, or if you're easily upset by a variety of things, don't watch Black Mirror. But Black Mirror is set in the not-so-distant future, and the way I would explain it, and the way a lot of people explain it, is that it's a modern-day Twilight Zone, except most of what it explores, you know, instead of paranormal or things like that, is technological advances. And typically in Black Mirror, these technological advances serve to improve the quality of human life. And... Of course, to make a good TV show, there has to be some kind, something to make it intriguing, something to make it controversial or captivating. So usually what happens is the technology that we have implemented in, the, in Black Mirror in the TV show has some unforeseen ramification and, and things go haywire. So the technology in each episode of Black Mirror turns against the people who created it and who have embraced life with it as you know embraced it as a way to make their lives better and it ends up turning around and biting them the consequences of being dependent upon these technological advances often uh, induce personal tragedy national tragedy or even worldwide disaster and what makes this show so disturbing to so many people is like its proximity to our own current realities, right? So a lot of these technologies that are featured in Black Mirror are not yet a reality, but very well soon could be. You know, the show, like I said, it's set in the not-so-distant future, so the show does not take us into hundreds of years from now into a problem that we'll never experience, but it's really set like in the next 10, 20 50 years so that in our lifetimes the realities of black mirror could happen in our lives they're right on our doorstep so the undertone of the show is very ominous because of its like almost prophetic possibility so so really when when i want to explore transhumanism on this show obviously this isn't you know a a a narrative podcast. This isn't a storytelling podcast. So I'm not going to try to tell you that like transhumanism is evil and, and going to tell you all the doomsday scenarios if technology advances to this point, because I'm sure if you showed somebody that lived 100, 150 years ago, what technology would be today, they would probably say it was like of Satan and, and say that, that it was going to be our doom. Here's a thing we tend to do as Christians. We tend to like extricate or take out like the worst case scenarios with everything, right? The doomsday scenario. How is this going to be the end of humanity? How is this going to be the end of Christianity or whichever? So my agenda isn't to to demonize these technologies. My agenda isn't to say we need to just stop advancing technologically because that's the mark of the beast or a sign of the times or this points to this passage in Revelation and it's evil and we're being deceived. No, I'm not doing that on this show. That's not who I am. So really kind of what I did in my paper back in seminary and what, what I'm going to do today is just kind of explore the ethics behind transhumanism. I want to extend the conversation into the realm of Christian ethics where it doesn't happen very often because uh, obviously Black Mirror is not a Christian-based show. So a lot of times when I watch, you know, maybe if you watch uh, movies, you kind of wonder how does, this, how does this play out in a Christian world? For example, I'm not a Marvel guy, not like a superhero movie guy, but I always have wondered, you know, how would Christians react if the world was in grave danger by like some extraterrestrial uh, supervillain and we have to put our trust in these superheroes to save humanity? That's like loaded with, with ethical questions, ethical considerations. So when I first decided to write this paper a few summers back, it was because I was a big fan of the show Black Mirror and, and still am. 
so so I always kind of wonder like where would Christianity fall into these things? So if these things if these technologies were a reality, how would we as Christians react to that? If I'm I'm not just going to speculate like hey, if we advance this technology, here's the going to be the consequences. And the thing is the human race is progressing, right? We are we are in much better shape in a lot of ways than we were 50 years ago, 100 years ago, maybe even 1 year ago. Like, you know, the, the COVID vaccine, it was just in its initial stages a year ago, and now it's being widely distributed. So, so I'm not saying I'm against advancement, but what I'm going to explore today is the ethical like motivations behind transhumanism and, and the place that, that technology has in the narrative of, of basically what God has set in motion for his people. So it, when it comes to the transhuman future of humanity, the question isn't, if it's going to become a reality, but when. We are inevitably heading towards some form of transhumanism. And yes, I do realize I have not defined that term yet. That's coming up shortly. So it's, it's, it's inevitable that, that we're going to advance. And I think this is a, a question that, that Christians should ask. Should we embrace the certain sciences and technologies that move the human race beyond its natural intellectual and physical capabilities that, that God created us with. So that, that kind of helps you to, to get a sense on what transhumanism is. At the same time, when I say I'm not casting these doomsday scenarios, I think transhumanism is an issue that not enough Christians are talking about. Like it's going to be in the national spotlight probably within my lifetime. And, and maybe there already are some ethical things going on that I'm just not aware of in this area of transhumanism, but I think in my lifetime, if I live another, gosh, 40, 50 years, wow, that just, okay, I had a moment of realization there. That's not a long time. Okay, anyway, so so how far should Christians go along with this transhumanism? How far are we willing to go? How far has God called us to go? So if we are indeed this, this prized creation of God, created in the image of God, would embracing transhumanism violate his most prized creation by attempting to transcend our natural, quote-unquote, borders, our natural abilities? So in doing so, are we attempting to replace the need for dependence on God, or are we, repl- are we trying to depend on ourselves? So all these questions are knocking on our door. And, and I think as Christians, we got to start thinking about the ramifications. We got to start thinking about what it means to be created in the image of God, what it means to be human, uh, what it means, what, what is eternity. Uh, and all these questions are wrapped up in that. So transhumanism is no longer this science fiction pipe dream. It's an imminent reality. And this conversation needs to begin now. So, so all that out of the way, let's go ahead and, and de- define transhumanism. Transhumanism is, is pretty loosely defined. Uh, since technology is always advancing, the, the concept of transhumanism is constantly expanding. What we can dream of now technologically, they couldn't have dreamed of 100 years ago. So, so that's always changing. Therefore, the, the definition of transhumanism is always changing as well. The, the term transhumanism was first used in 1927 by a man named Julian Huxley. And he was the first person to use that term. And he asserted that the human species as a whole would one day be able to transcend its own humanity. That man would realize new possibilities for his or her own human nature. Of course, Huxley back in the 20s lived in a time when the technological possibilities of today could not have been imagined. A more contemporary definition of transhumanism from today could be this the intellectual and cultural movement that affirms the possibility and desirability of fundamentally improving the human condition through applied reason, especially by developing and making widely available technologies to eliminate aging and greatly enhance human intellectual, physical, and psychological capabilities. So that was, that was a long definition. I get that. So it's basically... How can we use technology to defy humanity, our own humanity? Can we use technology to help us to not age as fast or to help us live longer artificially? 
can we use technology to improve our intellect, to improve our physical bodies, to improve our minds? So, so maybe the more simple definition in my own terms, because I got, I got that one from a source. I'll just say transhumanism is defined as a scientific and philosophical movement that serves to push humanity beyond its physical, mental, and intellectual capabilities that we naturally have. So what are some examples of that? Because uh, it, it leaves some ambiguity, of course. What are some examples of transhuman technologies? Well, by our definition, we're already kind of living in a transhuman world, and, and many Christians have embraced these technologies. Pacemakers are implemented into people's hearts to ensure that they will continue beating. When the human body would give out and die, the pacemaker is, is causing the heart to continue to beat. That is using technology to, to transcend the human body. There are cochlear implants put into the ears of deaf children, not only to help them hear, but to subsequently help them learn to speak, read, and write. There are things like prosthetic limbs that far transcend the limits they want have, and now they're now equipped with fingers that can make intricate movements when attached to the, the existing nerves and muscles of a human body. And so, and, and one from personal experience, so I am a transhuman because LASIK eye surgery is by our definition a transhuman technology. Someone like myself who was on the brink of being legally blind can have some lasers shine into his eye, do some reshaping in there and have 20-20 vision in a matter of minutes. So by our definition, we're living in a transhuman world already. But are any of these things as a Christian that we just mentioned unethical to embrace? I don't think so. Maybe in our lifetime, we'll see cures for things like cancer and dementia. Those things are kind of, you know, if, if we continue to advance, maybe those won't be a problem for us. But in all likelihood, those things won't be met with opposition by Christians. So, so you might be asking, well, what makes transhumanism controversial? Ultimately, transhumanism is not concerned with helping those who are weak, ill, or lacking. Most of the transhuman possibilities are for people who would use them to assist in, in ease of life or pleasures of a human life. So one of the more out there transhuman technologies that I don't really know how far along this is, but that is being explored right now, is being able to upload our consciousness and our minds into like a supercomputer and to have the ability to re-experience or watch any moment and, and to, to feel those moments again. So what if we were able to do that? Maybe we could implant memories that didn't exist into people's minds. We could better humanity. So what if we could somehow alter people's consciousness? People with PTSD could be cured, right? Just, just, just wipe that memory out of their mind. Just upload their memory to a computer, delete that part, put it back in their brain. And that's putting it in very simple terms. What, what about children who are, who are sexually abused? We could take those memories out of their heads and, and better a lot of people's lives. Or what if, instead of going on a vacation, we could, we could capture the emotions, the sensations, and the experience of events such as climbing Mount Everest, playing in a Super Bowl, and simulate them in everyone's mind to where they legitimately have those memories in their head not just because they watched a movie about it or heard a story about it because in that person's mind they experienced it these are technological advances that very well could be possible in the near future but they're recreational in nature right so they they would improve a human life quote unquote because they would make someone happier or make someone feel like they experienced something so I think you can, you can make ethical cases uh, for and against all of those things. Uh, those, those implanting false memories or wiping other memories out of someone's head. But I think even that isn't the ultimate goal of transhumanism. Transhumanism's ultimate goal in, in the scientific and, and philosophical movement that's going on is to prevent aging and eventually make humans immortal, right? And we may think that's an impossibility now, but... Technology is, is always advancing, and some scholars even interpret that, that scientists will one day be able to re-engineer the human race and form us into an entirely new species just through like genetic engineering 
and and that seems far off to us now but it it very well could happen someday so so this isn't necessarily like we're going to be vaccinated with with a serum that's going to free us from death in fact our bodies won't even be an issue in this transhuman world because the view of immortality doesn't come through the physical body it comes through uploading our minds to a virtual medium and it's within this medium that consciousness will live forever for all of eternity without limitations imposed by a human body which ages and breaks down over time and in the quest for immortality transhuman scientists have begun moving in a direction that that discredits our need for a physical world altogether so that's kind of the heart and the mission behind the transhuman scientific slash philosophical movement it's to give us this immortality right this ability to live forever not physically but somehow up in a cloud somewhere and i know this is really conceptual this is really way out there that's okay if you don't understand it i don't fully understand it this is just something that i've thought was interesting and and it's just a conversation that i want to have so so we have to ask the question as christians you know what what does scripture say uh first we have to acknowledge that we as christians we have a similar desire as transhumanists right immortality uh, perhaps you know a lot of people desire immortality for different reasons maybe it's the fear of the unknown such as death however the transhuman acquisition of immortality looks a lot different than a christian's a transhuman mindset is to to sidestep pain to sidestep mortality to sidestep death altogether in a transhuman thinking any form of pain or suffering is is negative and should be avoided if at all possible should a christian believe the same thing so as a christian should we believe that that we should just avoid pain and that's kind of the key to life that's kind of the key to happiness well paul says in first corinthians 15 he says for this perishable body must put on imperishability and the mortal body must put on immortality when this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So through these verses, Paul demonstrates that the Christian believes that there is eternal life that is more powerful than death. A transhumanist could use this verse to, to justify their own compatibility with Christianity. After all, Paul is asserting that victory comes when death ultimately is overcome. So both Christians and transhumanists want to overcome death. So there is a common ground there. However, we have to consider what is the means by which we overcome death. And that's where the considerable difference is. So if I could sum it up in just a couple words, transhumanism overcomes death by avoidance. Christian hope comes through the overcoming of death through Christ's sacrifice, defeating it head on. So there's a difference between avoiding something and defeating it. So there's, there's no glory in, in avoiding an opponent, right? So let's say the, the, a team in the Super Bowl just decides not to show up be like hey if we don't show up we can't lose but it's an it's an entirely different thing if they show up and fight and defeat so so with the transhuman mindset it's all about just avoiding pain avoiding death let's just get around it the christian hope came through the defeat of death paul says in romans 6 5 he says for if we have been united within in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So for Paul, suffering and death, they aren't avoidable. If we are to live eternally, they are prerequisites. Christ alone was the one who defeated death. And if we're trying to live forever through any other means, we're not defeating death, we're merely avoiding it. In order to attain the highest resurrection, death cannot be avoided. It must be defeated and it was defeated by Christ's resurrection. In Galatians 2.21, Paul once again says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So we're not discussing the law in this conversation, but we have to take a look back in the previous verses in that Galatians 2 section. He's saying that Jews and Gentiles are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Our eternal reward, our imperishable bodies, cannot come through any other means other than by death and resurrection of Christ. 
If our justification, our righteousness, or whichever comes through any other means, we are nullifying God's grace by saying that Christ died for nothing. So, if there was any other means of salvation, Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection for the, from the dead were not necessary. And human beings are no strangers to attempting to overcome our brokenness on our own volition, our own effort, right? So we, we are sinful people. We sin just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They blamed each other. They hid from God. They tried to take matters into their own hands. We do the exact same thing. Scripture is saturated with examples of humanity trying to make amends for their own mistakes or trying to forge their own way to God. However, God is always the one who reconciles, right? It's not those people's good works that, that overcome death that overcomes sin. It's always by God's grace. So when the people in Genesis 11 try to erect a tower to reach heaven and make themselves great, God quickly thwarted their efforts. We would be mistaken to attempt the same thing as them, right? Building a tower to try to get to God. Building a tower to try to get to immortality and to make ourselves great. And that's what the ultimate goal of this like scientific philosophical movement of transhumanism is. So a distinct mark of Christianity has always been the embrace of brokenness and a dependence on God alone to atone for that brokenness. And the idea, no matter what your end times view is, that we can all agree this, is that when Jesus comes back and, and, and remakes everything new, that is going to make up for all the brokenness that is in this world. And it's going to reconcile us to God. It's going to pull us away from brokenness, away from sinfulness, away from death and towards God. So, so I hope you can see like in scripture, there's a stark contrast to the immortality that we pursue as Christians, which will be a very physical reality. So, so I've mentioned on the show, you know, several times in the past few weeks that I think heaven is going to be a physical place. God's not going to take us away from earth into a place called heaven, but God's going to remake heaven and earth into one. And it's going to be a physical place. We're going to have our resurrection bodies. So physicality has everything to do with eternity and immortality where transhumanism desires to take that out so when we consider a biblical approach to transhumanism we have to keep in mind that technologies like those that we're talking about today were not even imaginable in the times the bible was written right so we can't just take biblical principles and apply them to uh duty-based system of ethics, we have to consider how God has worked in the lives of his people in the past and how he is working in the present. So bearing in mind that Christians and transhumanists both have a form of immortality in mind, we have to recognize that there are many means to certain ends. And the previous thing I talked about, kind of like what does the Bible say, does not mean, clearly tells us that the transhumanist immortality and the Christian concept of eternal life are not synonymous or equal to one another. So immortality is achieved. So when immort- so when immortality is achieved, there are multiple ways of getting there. Ends, however, don't justify the means. Right? So we have to to take that into consideration when we're talking about immortality. Just because there is one ethical way to eternal life doesn't mean that every way to eternal life or immortality is ethical. So for instance, talk about like a company ladder. I don't know, it's become like the CEO of a company, right? You can work your way there. You can work hard. There's an ethical way to do it. However, there are many unethical ways to do it too, such as lying or cheating or stealing or slandering or whichever. So we can't just say like, okay, the goal is eternal life. The goal is immortality, and when we get there, we, we won't have any more issues because we have to consider the, the means to the end. So just because there's one ethical way to eternal life doesn't mean every way to eternal life is ethical. So becoming infinitely powerful through immortality is essentially attempting to become like God. And the thing is, transhumanists, in the research I did, sometimes try to use scriptures to reconcile it with Christianity. 1 John 3, 2 says, When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Psalm 82, 6 says, You are gods, children of the Most High, all of you. They emphasize this, this point of becoming like God. To say that it is 
to say that it's the way that we're supposed to progress. But for Christians, becoming like God is the work of God. Becoming like God is only possible because Jesus is the one who defied human nature and the incarnation of the Spirit sanctifies humans in the life of the church and in our engagements in the world. So becoming like God is not the idea that we will one day become so powerful and knowledgeable and independent that we'll be able to abandon our own need for God. In eternity, we are still going to be radically dependent and radically humbled before God. So, so becoming like God is inseparable from imitating Christ and imitating the suffering of Jesus and subsequently imitating the resurrection of Jesus. So I hope you, you understand where I'm getting at here. Since scripture calls us to imitate Christ, we cannot bypass suffering. We cannot bypass death. And, and, and a lot of people have this vision of like heaven is just going to be a place where like, oh, we can go and do whatever we want because we're going to be powerful. We're going to know everything. We're going to be independent. We're not going to need God anymore. But heaven is going to be a 24-7, 365, well, for all equal well, time isn't even going to be a thing anymore, but for all of eternity, praising God, like worshiping God. It's not going to be this, well, I can't say this with like any kind of definitive truth however it's it's unlikely that that's going to be what heaven is like it's more likely that we are going to be around the throne of god with jesus at his right hand we're going to be praising the triune god another major tenet of the christian faith is an adherence that that humankind was created in the image of god so we have to ask the question would an attempt to become like God or to become even greater than God created us to be, is that a violation of the image that God placed on us? And, and I think that begs the response, yes, pursuing a transhuman form of immortality would indeed violate the image of God that God created us in. God's image was emphasized through the incarnation of Jesus, and just as Jesus suffered as a man, we are to suffer as human beings. And, and by suffering, I don't mean we necessarily have to die for our faith, but we experience what it's like to be human, just like Jesus did. And as Jesus died a physical death, we are going to die a physical death as well. And as Christ resurrected, we will resurrect as well. So we should also mention that, that many scholars fear that the transhuman movement will only be available to like wealthy and elite people. So you'll only get to upload your mind into this uh, supercomputer and and be able to live forever doing whatever you want with all this power and knowledge that you're only going to be able to do that if you have a lot of money so the desire to make these technologies widely available uh it, it's not happening you know the, the the philosophical scientific movement of transhumanism has not said like hey here's how we're going to make it accessible to everybody so these technologies are going to come at a great financial cost, and of course it's going to be the poor that can't afford them. So this phenomenon would only drive a deeper wedge in between the, the gap between rich and poor. Of course, if we're living in a computer, there's going to be no pain or suffering that we can perceive. So we're going to not have any desire to help people because we're not going to be aware of it. So if we're living in God's story, which we're supposed to stand up against injustice towards the poor... Would only catering to the rich really be the best way to approach the situation? And if we're going to make the rich richer and the poor poorer, would we be able to take a step back in the narrative that God has set before us? Jesus, when talking about the Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount, he says the kingdom belongs to those who are poor in spirit. The meek will inherit the earth, and those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness will inherit the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, the meek, and the persecuted are a far cry from the prideful, extravagant, entitled people who would be the inevitable shareholders in the transhuman movement, the ultimate beneficiaries of the transhuman movement. Because of, and because of the track record of, of all of really the history of humanity, there is no warrant for thinking that the selfish human race will transform itself into one that all of a sudden becomes altruistic or benevolent and, and has everyone's best interest in mind. Because people, for the most part, have always looked out for themselves and their own. There isn't any reason to believe with you know 
all sorts of, of injustices that, that go on in this world and that have gone on throughout all of history that embracing human immortality would eliminate things like poverty. In fact, they would probably just worsen things like poverty. Embracing transhuman immortality would likely benefit a small percentage of wealthy and entitled people and set us back as we pursue the narrative that God has set before us. So since really this movement has already begun, we as Christians have to wonder, what do we do now? Do we try to put a stop to it or what? Well, as we do with any ethical situation, we have to consider where God is leading us to and who he's calling us to become. If God is indeed calling us into the imitation of Christ that will lead us to imitate him, not only in our good deeds, but also in our suffering and in our death, since the world is inevitably headed toward a transhuman future, perhaps the most effective action to take would be just choosing not to engage in the way that the world lives. This means that when it becomes an option of living quote-unquote eternally in a computer simulation or in another virtual reality, a virtual medium, we simply decline and choose to live mortal lives pursuing Christ until we die. Christians have never been called to embrace what is normal in the world, and our joy has always come through a hope in a greater reality, the reality that God does indeed reign now and forever for all of eternity. This hope offers us a future that is greater than an immortality dreamed up by humankind, right? So we think, oh man, imagine a simulation, this virtual existence where I could literally do whatever I want. I could be whoever I want. I could create my own perfect life. And the mind-blowing thing is that God's eternity has something better. And the reason why we can't put it into words is because we have no frame of reference for it. You know, we were born into a world with sin and brokenness all around. So, so God's picture, God's gift to us of eternal life with him is far greater than we can even imagine. And, and even our wildest dreams, if you could create the perfect life for yourself, God's eternity is so much better better even than that. Maybe we can, we can find comfort in identifying with the Romans that Paul wrote to, and he commanded them. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We can find hope in the words of Jesus to his disciples. He says, if anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So this, this resisting of the temptation to attain immortality in this life would face many Christians. Through self-denial, however, Christians can keep their focus on following the risen Jesus despite the external pressure of the world. There's, there's, some, there's a personal aspect of, of, of self-denial and non-conformity, and that's going to be vital to a Christian in the transhumanist era. What are we going to do regarding society as a whole, however? Above all, we're going to advocate for the good of humanity and to urge the rest of the world to follow God's leadership. Perhaps Christians can become advocates for urging scientists to use their efforts for the common good rather than simply turning transhumanism into a pleasurable experience for the rich. If, it, if any aspect of transhumanist technology violates social justice, the dignity of any human being, or evades the reality of bodily death, Christians very well should be outspoken against it. As Jesus is our great advocate, he's our high priest, we should strive to do the same for the less fortunate among us. Advancing technologies have the potential to greatly impact humankind for the better. And we as Christians should be at the forefront of promoting hope. If certain transhumanist technologies can help improve the health and well-being of humans, Christians, I think, should be open to accept those, uh, to embrace those. However, you know, we should be ready to celebrate breakthroughs while maintaining a realistic mindset of what we can expect out of human nature. So maybe altering memories could be used negatively, but perhaps they could be used positively. Like we, we mentioned earlier, 
Maybe altering people's memories could help people with PTSD, people who, who survived traumatic experiences in, in childhood that have greatly affected who they are today and still gives them issues today. So, so while there may be, you know, we may be kind of cutting this conversation short by saying like, yeah, we should just embrace it, but maybe Christians do embrace that. And, and, and I'm saying right now, like, I don't really know. I think, you know, the positives are there, right? We could improve ourselves as humans. However, if the technology eliminates the bodily death of a human, violates the image of God in which we were created, or oppresses certain individuals or groups of people, obviously Christians should be proactive and vocal in opposing such advances. So as we wrap this conversation up, maybe we just think as we move toward a transhuman future, maybe it won't be quite as dramatic as the future that the TV show Black Mirror is trying to make it out to be. But there's going to be a lot of mystery, intrigue, and controversy as we work through these issues. The most important thing for Christians to remember is to pursue God's will, right? God's will may seem ambiguous or impossible to discern, but if God's people come together to consider the greater good of humanity and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to press on in the narrative that God has enacted and in which we are ultimately living. And the true hope that, that Christians can offer in the transhumanist movement, particularly in the area of immortality, is the reality of Christ's promise of eternal life. Humanity has always been prone to suffering and death, but that does not dampen the truth of what God has promised to us. Maybe the realization of our own mortality will allow us the opportunity to grow in things like faith, love, hope. Maybe these are experiences and joys that aren't possible in a simulation or virtual reality. Because I think some of the best things in life and really the ultimate Christian hope is that even the bad things will be redeemed, right? Can we truly know what happiness is if we've never experienced sadness? Can we truly know what joy is unless we've gone through hardships? Can we appreciate the good without experiencing the bad? Can we know what life truly is eternally if we have not experienced what death is temporarily? Our primary hope will never be through the advancement of technology, but the eternal kingdom of God. Second Peter 1.3, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, says his divine power has given to us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and goodness. The promise has been sufficient for Christians for the past 2,000 years and for centuries before that, it was sufficient for God's people. It will continue to be sufficient as we pursue God in the future, no matter what mysteries it holds. So guys, that wraps up the concept of transhumanism and our conversation about transhumanism. And there's a lot of things to consider, right? And you know, it just it just strikes me that this isn't a conversation that we're having more often. It strikes me that, man, maybe we need to have increased conversations about this or at least start thinking about it. And maybe this is the reason why we start to to embrace things like standing up for the poor, taking care of the poor, taking care of the needy. Because in a transhuman world, they're going to be the ones that are forgotten about. This segment was fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's different than anything I've ever done on the show. Uh, this is much different than... You know, we're, we're talking ethics. So let me know if you guys have any like Christian ethical issues that you want to talk about on the show. Uh, ethics isn't really something that I've delved into, and I've got some things in mind for the future that we can do another deep dive on the ethics of certain situations. But I had a lot of fun doing this. Let me know how you thought it was. Let's go ahead and transition to the closing. Okay, guys, just a few announcements before we wrap up today's show. 
I ordered a new run of stickers, so I've got some brand new ones. And just for friends of the show, people that are listening right now, if you, and once again, as always, if you already have a sticker, I'm going to ask you to not participate. And by the way, if I told you I'm sending you a sticker recently, I'm it's, it's on its way, I promise. Uh, so if you've won a sticker in the past or bought a sticker in the past, I'm asking you not to participate. But the first three people to send me a message through social media or, or however you can contact me today are going to get a free sticker. So just send me a DM. Say, hey, I want a sticker and I'll give it to you. Another announcement. This weekend, we're finally going to be dropping our new shirts. So there's going to be a place online where you can order. So watch social media this weekend and I'll announce it officially on the show next week. But watch social media. I'll tell you how to get there. It's going to be a link in my bio on Instagram. But like I said, I'll post. And the way we're doing it, it's going to have to be a pre-order. So I'm probably going to take orders all the way through the month of May. Uh, so so if you order a shirt like you know today on April 30th, uh, it's it's not going to get like packaged and shipped out within the next couple of days. So I'm not going to be able to order those until the end of May, beginning of June. And the reason I'm doing that is because I have no idea how many I'm going to sell. So I can't just order like 25 t-shirts and, you know, spend $500 on that and then only sell like five of them and, and not make a profit. Uh, I love you guys, but I, I just can't eat that money right now and 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 i will say about the shirts they're going to be 25 dollars, and i know that might be a little expensive for a t-shirt but i'm telling you they're not going to be this cheap gildan crap okay they're going to be a bella canva shirt or bella canvas i don't know what it's called or or something of the like a soft shirt so it's it's not going to be low quality it's going to be a high quality shirt with the not a christian podcast logo on the chest and and maybe in the future we'll we'll do some other kind of design so be sure to order yourself a shirt for 25 bucks. It would really help me out if you were to do that. It would get the name of Not A Christian Podcast out there. And also next week, I'm going to give you a little taste, I guess, or just let you know what the summer series is going to be, what it's going to look like. I will just let you guys know that I, the like I said in the intro, the upload schedule is going to be a little crazy. I'm going to do my very best throughout the summer to every Friday morning, get you an episode of not a christian podcast but there's going to be a lot of pre-recording going on it's going to be a lot of fun and for now that's all the evangelical filth i've got for you that's a wrap and that's a frat snap next time i promise i'll do just a little bit better later <laughs>